date night with Dev Austin. Well, let's change the object <laughs> of our affections here and kind of line, align them with uh, uh, Vishwanas Madhurya Kadambani. So we've come to that seventh shower of nectar, which is bhava. Basically, we're now past the preliminary stage of sadhana bhakti. Sadhana has taken us this far, and now we've the sadhaka is becomes a true student of the of the school of loving affairs. In fact, we find that truly the stage of the, the nomenclature sadhaka is applied to someone in bhava. Although it reaches down to us, its full application is recognized at the stage of bhav. So asakti is that we've talked about asakti, the difference between ruchi and asakti. All this coming after the uh, after the plateau of nista has been attained. Uh, there's some some true determined effort now in attainment of the object of the devotee's affection, and the object is first embraced as the the devotion itself is the object at the stage of. Ruchi. So at that stage, the having devotion becomes the objective of the devotee. If I could just be have some some real taste for for devotion for loving God, that taste is coming because the taste for material enjoyment. And specifically, the influences of passion and ignorance are receding to the point where one can recognize and experience, to some limited extent, at the stage of ruchi, uh, spiritual enjoyment. There's still some influence there, because we notice that Vishwanath has brought out, in speaking of the stage of ruchi, Distinctive distinctions that in the big there's a stage where one is not famished and therefore he's picky about what he eats. Now somebody that is starving will eat whatever you place in front of him. So he makes this distinction so that we can see that there is some continuing development of a thickening of the desire to attain a prominent position in my devotional practice. And that continues to mature to the stage of asakti where the object is no longer as the devotee is advancing 
is no longer the practice. He's given up his material attachments. Nadanam, Najanam, Nasundarim. He doesn't even desire liberation. He just wants devotion. So the devotion is the object. And that thickens to the point that Krishna becomes the object at the stage of a shakti. So now Krishna is, has become the objective and that objective is, <coughs> is seen in that the devotee wants he wants to attain the Lord. He wants to serve him favorably and he wants to develop affection for him. So these three symptoms of that attachment to the Lord himself as the maturity is coming from a shakti up to a sakti from Ruchi, then this is manifesting. This desire to attain the Lord not just to engage in the process, not just to have love, but to have the object of my love. So we see, Ruchi we want to have love. And asakti, we want to attain the object of our love in three ways. We want to attain him, we want to please him favorably, and we want to develop affection for him specifically. We want to attain the Lord. And we want to what? We want to develop affection. So you can't separate the object of, of, of the affection from the affectionate affection for him. So, of course, the, the loving sentiment, the bhav, the bhakti ras, is, is what we want. We want to love Krishna in such a way that what? It's favorable to Krishna. So the love but you cannot separate that love from the object of love. So at this stage of a sakti, the object, not the engagement and not the attainment of devotion, but these three things are seen conjointly. The object, I want to attain Krishna, I want to attain him and serve him in a favorable manner and I want to develop my affectionate relationship with him. So now we come to this stage of bhava. And as I said, what we're going to do is we're going to take some sections of what Vishwanath presents in this seventh and eighth cloud bank and highlight them in such a way that we can get some sense of the some sense of what is being experienced. And that's what Vishwanath basically is giving us here in this seventh and eighth. I mean, we're talking about subjective experience which is beyond the realm of, of, of what we're accustomed to. We may have, as I said in the last class, had some flickering entrance into some spiritual experience, experiential emotion over and above what we have in life through 
our senses that we've actually but that has come at the, by the grace of the sadhus or the spiritual master so it's not that we're without any experience on that plane because the devotees are so compassionate to their and the guru is so loving with his disciples that there is something coming there that, but it's not the full face that's that's something that's beyond our comprehension until we reach these higher stages so similarly because we've only had at best some little actually I, I like the terminology that uh, that my spiritual master used in his nectar of devotion the the rays emanating the rays of love the loving emotion coming from the heart of the pure devotee can penetrate and some little bit of that can come in come into us so we have some small experience there compared to what they're experiencing it's a small experience to us Mm -hmm. it could be enough to carry us for a lifetime of, of practice it can be overwhelming to the point that we're you know we become uh, truly spiritually, emotionally affected by it. So, Bhava, Vishwanath says, Asakti is in, in its extreme state of maturity is known as Bhava. So, we're talking about a true a, a, a deep maturity is coming and in that blossoming stage as you remember there's an analogy that can be applied here we know that the bhakti lata beej the seed grows into a creeper the creeper grows the flowers the leaves come and eventually the buds show on that creeper in the analogy those buds are likened to a shakti now the buds are blossoming and we're seeing a flower and that flower can be likened to bhava so when there is a flower well there is a fragrance and the fragrance is what? it draws the bees so the, that flavor actually draws both the devotee and the Lord himself so the devotee is advanced to the point where Krishna himself has made, taken notice of his spiritual development and is, is his the, the, he has become so fixed in this desire that started in the Sakti to attain Krishna to please him, serve him favorably and to develop an affection 
that Krishna's yes, I can see. He's Krishna's smelling now this fragrance of of the love of the devotee. He's taken notice as what is is happening at this stage of bhava. Mm. Krishna uh, Vishwanath works into this particular part of Madhurya Kadamani in the beginning of the explanation of bhava. Uh, the terms that we find um, in Rupa Goswami's Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, and the terms of this ter- and these terms of the stage of bhava, again go back to those six characteristics of pure devotional service. Two coming at the stage of sadhana bhakti, two manifesting there, and becoming more and more manifest as as the devotee advances through the other stages of bhava and praying, the two coming at bhava are what? Very difficult to attain. Bhava takes some considerable amount of, of extreme mercy coming from that side and extreme determination coming from this side. So, we can see these are the ingredients that work together to give us this this spiritual position that is so powerful that Krishna himself is attracted. So, Sadurlava, difficult to attain. And the other, at this stage, Everything that all the other religious and aspirers to perfection desire becomes worthless. Moksha lagu takrit. Liberation becomes a joke at this stage. It's difficult to attain, but once you're there in Bhava, it's you've attained. Krishna's taking note, and all the other religion in the world, their goal of liberation, freedom, t- attainment, what to speak of what's already been gone, you know, it's just it's completely completely at this stage of no consequence. Now what's that mean for the devotee? When we say completely at this stage of no consequence, it means that that there's always that desire to not continue to experience the sufferings of material existence. I mean, that's natural. Who, I mean, is anybody signing up to to suffer in this material world? So in spiritual life, you think, boy, it'd be nice if I didn't have to, I didn't have to do this anymore. But at this stage of bhavits, there's no, the parabdha karma is gone at this stage. The material body is practically annihilated. What to speak of material desire? So there's nothing material in the devotee left. That all these, all these stages of of the 
sinful reaction. Parabda, aparabda, kuta, bija. These four stages. They're now we're at the stage of bhava. They have no. They are of no consequence to the devotee. If he sees anything, he sees it all spiritual. And seeing it all spiritual, if there is any suffering, he's become so humble, it's, he knows this suffering is coming. It may be coming from my reaction. He is so humble that he's thinking, I'm suffering because I'm still attached materially. But he has no material attachment left. But his mentality is such that Everything that we've been schooled, and this is an interesting point if you think about it, everything that Vishwanath has schooled us on, on the advancing sadhaka from the very beginning of Anista Bhajana Kriya, up through Anartha Nivriti, then Nista, Ruchiya Sakti, all these different stages, the person at the stage of Bhava thinks that he's back at the beginning, spiritually. Although he's attained this high platform, his mentality is, what? He's completely, completely... He understands, he's, he's come to the firm realization of what is the nature of bhakti. What's the nature of bhakti? Oh, it's fully independent. And I didn't do anything to get here. What extraordinary mercy that a fallen soul like myself, immersed in material existence, is having some spiritual experience. Even a single particle of Bob completely uproots ignorance. The ignorance is gone. What's the ignorance represent? Go back to the beginning of Madhurya Kadambari. Ignorance represents the kleshas. That's the first one. Ignorance, false ego, all the five kleshas are there up through the skin. You know, at the stage of bhava, all those are also gone. Kleshagni has been completely recognized at the stage of bhava all the kleshas and all the all the everything related to karma the seeds of karma and the reaction from those seeds in every form it's gone vishwanath goes on as bhava appears the devotee longs to relish the sweetness of rajendra nandana such as the blackness of his limbs the crimson glow is of, his, of his lips and eye rims, the white brilliance of the mild, smi mild smile on his moon-like face, and the yellow glow of his cloth and ornaments. A lot of what we find here, as in these descriptions by Vishwanath, in the last two showers of Madhurya Kadamani, a lot of it is very, very ornamental language, trying to give us some some understanding of the, what is beyond our understanding. <laughs> so, 
what's this mentality of the of the devotee at bhava he, his that intense greed has become overwhelming for him he he has this sense i must have krishna and he's being attracted to krishna in so many ways so this is coming out that he longs he longs what do we call this longing Volume. He longs for, to see him, to smell him, to taste him. To, he longs in every way to have some experience of the Supreme Lord. Then it happens. Then he has that experience. When the Sadaka with Reiti, Reiti being Baba, has attained the divine vision, Sporti of Sri Krishna, he experiences boundless bliss. He goes mad with the vision of Sri Krishna, which is a treasure of sweet, sweet relish. At that time, although still in the Sadaka Deha, still practicing in a form that allows him to serve Sri Guru and the sadhus on this plane internally his Siddha Deha is beginning to manifest then his self-conceit Ahanta I what I am enters a perfected body, Siddhadeha, suitable for his desired service to the Lord, and is as if almost leaving the Sadika body. His experiences now are so much internal that he's almost no longer external. He's, he's, for all intents and purposes, at this stage, disconnected from all worldly affair. Except when he takes on the compassionate mood of Sri Chaitanya Sankirtan movement and foregoes what his heart is drawing him to at every single moment. He wants to smell Krishna, see Krishna, taste Krishna, experience the, the smiling face of Krishna, see the yellow garments on his body, hear the, the ankle bells tingling as Krishna's walking in the forest. He's wanting all those things, but he's foregoing that out of deference and sometimes he cannot forego it and he retreats into this internal position where he can he can experience Krishna and the devotees are sitting in his presence and thinking oh 
The guru has fallen asleep. <laughs> See the old devotee sitting in the back? He can't even stay awake anymore. <laughs> And the knowledgeable devotees are going, yeah, right. <laughs> Vishwanath does point out here in discussing bhava that bhava arises from two stimuli. This bhava is of two types, arising from spontaneous devotion, devotion and arising from devotion under scriptural injunctions. So these distinctions are there now and certain devotees are uh, being according to their association the company they've kept the mercy they've received from one, one group or another of, the, of Vaishnavs, of devotees they're attracted in different ways Some are coming Ajata Rucha, Ruchi they're coming to the stage of, of taste, even though it isn't there. Now they've come, but because they've been in that good association, their desire is for Vraj. And some devotees, they're coming from and been blessed by those devotees who still have a, some sense of awe and reverence. And through their practice, that sense has been nurtured more by scriptural injunction than spontaneity in loving affection. They still love Krishna spontaneously and we should never think you know that there's, there's any they're fully satisfied in that fact that they still recognize those aspects of the Lord. But their relationship with the Lord is, is not as intimate in that they still know that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Whereas those who have come from the other side, the spontaneous side, they've been nurtured by those devotees in their practice and they're following those devotees as their guru and more as they've they're starting to develop that desire to have that specific service to one of the Rigatmikas the eternal associates uh, through Raganuga Bhakti um, they're drawn in that way to completely forget that the supreme is supreme He does explain, and I think everyone in this audience is familiar with the various bhavas uh, to some extent. Uh, dasha, Santa Dasha, Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya. He goes into some expla explanation of how those sti bhavas are nourished by the other bhavas. Um, Anubhavs, Vibhachari Bhavs, Sanchari Bhavs, Vibhachari or Sanchari, Vibhav. Uh, 
and some some explanation of of he gives some analogies to try to get us to understand what is the different the difference between these these in a objective sense in other words you could have sugarcane juice and then you could make it more and more sweet and cook it down to like molasses and then make it into rock candy and then you could make superlative rock candy superb candy so there's some these so there's some condens there's some difference and the acharyas point out this difference and even though you may have a specific relationship with the lord which one would consider on a relative scale to be less because it only goes up to a certain point of praying because praying also has stages uh, still you are completely satisfied in that affectionate relationship that you have developed in, good, in the association and those predominant influences that have come to you through the association of bhakti. Uh, but he explains it in a, in a way that, that we can kind of grasp. We know that Uddhava, Uddhava's relationship with Krishna is one of what? Friendship. So when we, he went to the Vraj to relieve the gopis of their distress by giving them some spiritual knowledge, uh, he, uh, he was unfortunately unsuccessful at that task. But, uh, the hidden task at hand was so that he could see the, the, the depth of the gopis' love for Krishna. And remember, he's coming from that plane of what? He he's still has some knowledge of Krishna's opulence and supremacy. Whereas the gopis, they're not, they don't, they don't see that. So he could appreciate the love and even want to take on the depth of affection that they had in their relationship with Krishna so that it could benefit his relationship with Krishna. He didn't want to change his relationship but we, he wanted to have that, that depth that they had. How, how much they could love Krishna. In, the, in their relationship, he wanted to say, I want to love Krishna that much in my relationship. These other stages of, of Prem are mentioned. Prem, Sneha, Mana, Pranaya, Rag, Anurag, Mahabhav, so when we come to the stage of praying, it is also becoming more and more condensed up to Mahabhav. Those are sneha, affection, 
Mana, anger out of love. Pranaya, deep love. Rog attachment, anurag, deeper attachment, intenser attachment. Bhav, the highest stage of anurag, super, super intense, uh, intense attachment. And Mahabhav, oh, well, that's for very few. The topmost lover. So now we come to the stage in this eighth shower of trying to get a glimpse of what is praying. He's going to try to give us a little bit of a of an inkling. As I said, I'm not reading the whole thing. I've just taken out some portions. So Vishwanath continues, though previously the hun the hundreds if not thousands of emotions of the devotee were firmly bound by ropes of attachment to bodily to body family house and money all the emotions that we've experienced in our existence have been based upon these things well, yeah it's our only realm of experience We've been here since time immemorial, and this is where we've had our emotional experiences. Hundreds and thousands of them. We can't even remember them all. But there's some impressions are there. What was that? Oh, something fell off. So, and those impressions, those emotional experiences have been based on ropes that have tied us to our body, our family, our house, our money. Praying now easily severs these bounds and through its own power takes the same emotions though illusory that they were illusions based on false relationships and dips them into a well of great rasa whose mere touch completely transforms them into radiant transcendental feelings then it firmly ties these spiritualized emotions to the sweetness of the Lord's form, name, and attributes. Such as praying, the brilliant rising sun that immediately puts the hosts of star-like human aims to shame. So all those emotions coming to the stage of praying are now transformed by the strength of Bhakti Devi of praying of, of love for the Supreme now they are all completely spiritualized 
and instead of being tied to the illusions of material existence which is what? a shadow of Krishna they're now tied to what? those emotions now become tied to to Krishna to his name to his form to his to all the attributes that that are his swarup the essence of what Krishna is now becomes the object of all of the emotional experiences of the devotee characteristics are now there and Vishwanath touches upon those Again, two characteristics in devotional service and practice, two characteristics in bhava. Now we come to praying, and two final characteristics, which are unimaginable, unfathomable, unending spiritual emotional enjoyment in love with Krishna Krishna Karsini the crown jewel of all experience is there in praying and that sixth item this is what pleases Krishna Krishna is now purchased first Krishna Karsini such an eagerness for the Lord is like a hunger that cannot be satiated by four kinds of incomparable relishable rice even if one eats day and night you just can't get enough at this stage this taste for Krishna is unsatiable so Vishwanath giving us a comparison if you were just famished and you just ate continually there would be no satisfaction to your hunger This eagerness burns in the devotee like the sun and cools him off like millions of moons. When a vision appears of the Lord's endlessly sweet forms and attributes. I'm going to read a, a little longer section here. Again, we, we are trying to get some sense from our perspective of what 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 these higher stages of devotional uh, life are like. So we're trying to describe, and Vishwanath in his poetic uh, presentation here is doing the best he can to give us some entrance. This wonderful praying simultaneously grants powerful anxiety and relief from it. When this prema arises in its reservoir, the devotee and slightly inc- the reservoir is the devotee and slightly 
increases, the devotee is constantly scorched by the fire caused by the arrow of his great eagerness to encounter the Lord. His eagerness is so powerful that he cannot be satisfied even by having visions of the Lord's sweet form and pastimes. At that point, his relatives are like blind, waterless well to him. His home is like a thorny forest. Any food he may take feels like a great beating. Praise offered by the saints feels like snake bites. His daily duties feel like death. His each and every limb feel like a big burden. Consolida- uh, consolations from his friends feel like a poisonous glance. His constant wakefulness feels like an ocean of repentance, and if sleep accidentally comes to him, this again is like a torment tearing up his life. Maintenance of his body is like the embodiment of the Lord's punishment, and his life airs are like grains roasted over and over again. What's more, that which was always considered desirable in his past is now looking like a great disaster. Even meditating on the Lord appears to be like self-deception. After this, this preem assumes the nature of a magnet that attracts the black, iron-like Sri Krishna. So this is the last of the six qualities. Making him appear before the devotee at some time. The Lord then also shows his own most auspicious innate attributes like beauty, fragrance, nice voice, tenderness, nice taste, generosity, and compassion to the senses like the eyes of his devotee. All these attributes are most sweet and eternally fresh, and when the devotee starts to relish them with love, it increases within his heart at every moment. This causes a powerful eagerness and finally creates an ocean of ecstasy that no poet could properly describe. I particularly like this this one section in this eighth cloud bank by Vishwanath. And the English translation, I think, does it uh, fair justice, as good as English can translate from the Sanskrit. When this first arises, the Lord reveals his own sweetness to the eyes of the greatly astonished devotee. This sweetness turns all the senses and the mind of the devotee into eyes. Then obstacles in the form of paralysis, shivering, and tears in the eyes appears, and the devotee may faint of ecstasy. In order to wake up that devotee, the Lord fills up his nostrils with his second sweetness, his fragrance. Then the devotee's senses all turn into noses, (laughs) and the devotee faints for the second time. The Lord then calls him and says, Oh, my devotee, I am now fully subdued by you. Don't be upset and just experience my sweetness. In this way, the Lord appears to the devotee's ears with his third sweetness, his beautiful voice. When this beautiful voice appears, all the devotee's senses turn into ears. And the devotee faints in ecstasy as before. Then the Lord gives him the touch of his divine lotus feet. 
lotus hands, chest, etc., and thus gives him his fourth sweetness, his tender touch. Then the Lord gives his devotees that are in the mood of a servant the touch of his feet on their heads, his devotees that are in the mode of friends the touch of his lotus hands in their hands, the devotees that are in the mode of his parents the touch of his tears that they wipe out of his tear-filled eyes, and his devotees that have an amorous attitude towards him, the touch of his breast on their breasts, and the touch of his arms that embraces them. In this way he touches his devotees in different ways. Uh, my spiritual master used to say that uh, one of the characteristics of the Lord's senses is they're completely interchangeable. So we can see here that Vishwanath is ex explaining a similar condition that's being experienced by the devotee at the stage of praying. So we're going to do one more class to finish this up because it's already late. And there's a little bit more nectar here I think you would like to hear. <laughs> so I'll stop for this evening. And uh, thank you for your association. Hare Krishna.